The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The need for connection and community is primal, as fundamental as the need for air, water, and food. Dean Ornish. Dude, I've been married and divorced, and like I kind of know like what would work for me, and like, like I'm not a, like a social media like app trying to find somebody in a relationship through a dating app, but like where all the focus is just on looks and everything. You like you know you swipe on a person because they look good. I mean, how else do you know anything about the person? I have no interest in anything like that. So it's like being a middle-aged guy. Like I don't want to be single the rest of my life. So it's like I don't want to say like I'm necessarily going out looking for anything on a trail, but like it's uh, you value you like all the like the relationships that you do have out there much more you know because even still like you know you get to that point in life where like you know all your friends have married and have kids and everything like that so it's like you're not hanging out with people all the time anything or anything like that anymore you know so like the, that trail life is definitely always something that's much more valued i'm doc and this is the john freaking mirror pod Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, 
who has both section hiked and through hiked the Appalachian Trail. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Chris Hurlbutt. How's it going, Chris? Good, Doc. How are you, buddy? Good. You know, I'm intrigued by tonight's episode because in my mind, section hikers and through hikers are generally two different people. They're, 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 yeah, generally they are. And it's generally, I didn't anticipate on through hiking this this past year, actually, to be honest with you. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to, to hear the the different the the perspective from you on both of those approaches and how you converted from or how you switched between being a, a section hiker to a through hiker. Yeah, it um a lot of similarities, but some differences too. Okay. Hey, uh, Chris, have you listened to the podcast before? I do about all the time. Every every episode. Okay. Do you have any favorites out there? Um. I mean, anything with Ivy Chat. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty entertaining. Uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Um, uh, he, I, I listen to everything. Like, it just, like it, it, if you just, you know, listen to the story, you can relate to it somehow, some way, no matter like what the episodes, you know, whatever trail they've hiked, whatever they've done, like, you know, there's a related, you know, it's relatable. Yeah. I like to say that, you know, we talk a lot about outdoor adventure in all its different forms, but really at its heart, I think this podcast is a human interest podcast. Everybody's got a story and we're all humans. And so we can relate to that story on some, on some level. I definitely agree. Okay. Hey, in your time on the AT, have you picked up a trail name? Yeah, I go by stretch. Okay. And how'd you come by stretch? I'm uh, I'm tall and lanky and a lot of leg. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, you know, so the most I'm six four. Um, so like and um, yeah, most it's it's uh it's a stretch for people to keep up with me. Usually, you know, that's where it came from. So you got a long stride, right? Cover a lot of miles quickly. Yeah, pretty much. I think it's just um. I have a hard time, like, uh, like, you know, I, I, I have to be doing something all the time. So like, even when I'm hiking, it's like, I have a hard time like pulling into camp early, you know, like, I just like I feel like I still have so much time left to do things. So like, I, I'm, I'm moving a lot. Okay. And, uh, where are you calling in from tonight? Where are you? I'm out in Boston. In Boston, the, the city of Boston or one of the suburbs? The suburbs, up in Malden, north of the city. Okay. And did you grow up in Boston? No, I grew up out in Western Mass. Um, actually, uh, in North Adams, which is uh, North Adams, Williamstown, where the trail like, goes right through, actually. Nice. Nice. All right. Now, having listened to a lot of episodes, you are familiar with a segment that we do towards the end of every episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. That's where you'll get a yes. chance to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. I think I have one that nobody will probably has ever come up with. Oh, okay. All right. There, there is the tease right there. Now everybody's got to listen to the very end to find out this unique pro tip. I can't wait. It, it ties into kind of what I do for work. So Nick. Okay. All right. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit, but first. The must bring gear review. Are you familiar with the must bring gear review? Yes. Okay. Of course you are. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, though, let me just share how this works. 
Uh, this is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. And the way it works is this way. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Stretch, what is your must-bring piece of gear out there on the trail? Mine is probably my quilt, I would say. You know, my enlightened equipment quilt. Um, yeah, it, it's... It's versatile. I could, you know, I, I'm I'm a hammock camper normally, um, but I do go to the ground sometimes too. So it's like, you know, it works both both that way as well. Now, when we when we have people on and they talk about using quilts, I, I would say like ninety five percent of them mention enlightened equipment quilts. I mean, is that is that the best brand out there for quilts? I I mean. It, <laughs> I don't know. Like that's. Uh, I had one. Um, I had like a homemade one that I, I made myself before that, um, and I just I couldn't. I went, there was just spot. It was just spotty, and I, like I couldn't get the down to fill it like completely well in all areas. So I, I just bought that one like years ago, and it's it's lasted thousands of miles. So. Um, if I were to get another one, I don't know. There's plenty of good brands out there. Like, you know, that's the great thing about like, it's a small market, but there's some very high quality products out there for anything. I I don't think you can really go wrong with any of like the cottage industry brands. Now your, your current enlightened equipment quilts, what, what's it, what's the temperature rating on that? I guess a 20 or 15. Okay. And your homemade quilt, what was the temperature rating on that? I would probably say like 40 or 50. Okay. I, I don't know for sure, you know, but. Uh-huh. And, and how did you, how did you attempt to make that? I mean, what, uh, what materials did you use? Uh, so how, what, was I, the, what was the size of the quilt, et cetera? It, um, it was one of like, uh, are you familiar with like the, like the packable down throws from like Costco? Yes. So it was, uh, it was it kind of like, uh, it's like a prototype. I found the instructions online. It was like a prototype of, of something like that you like you rip you take one of the quilts you rip out the seams and then fill fill take take another one and like so you're adding the down from a second one into that one and you're like creating baffles with it and stuff um yeah. but I, I did a little sewing as well too because i am tall so like one of the throws definitely wasn't gonna like work um but it it, it works well but like i wouldn't i was like i said get down below 40 50 degrees i was wasn't as comfortable as I really wanted to be. Yeah. Now, it was my first, my first project as well too, you mm -hmm. know? So like, yeah, like yeah, I, I'm no seamstress. Well, I, you know, I, I admire people that have the patience and the ability to, to sew and put things together like that. I, it's totally outside of my wheelhouse. So props to you. Yeah. And a little, if there's a will, there's a way. Right. Right. And I think, you know, that's how, that's how some of these cottage gear uh, industries uh, or companies started. I mean, we talk, talk about designs, you talk about Z packs. I mean, these are, these are folks that uh, saw a need and couldn't find it out there. And so they, they sat down and developed it themselves. Right. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about gear a little bit. And to help us do that, we've got 
It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. That's P-O-L-L, -L, not P-O-L-E. This is a seven-question survey that's going to help me determine your level of sanity. Stretch, if I were to ask your, your friends or family to give you a ranking from one to 100, with one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane, what, what kind of score would they give me for you? It would definitely be dependent on who you asked. Okay. Um. I would probably say right down the middle somewhere, but I, I, like if I were to take a poll of the people I knew, I would say it would probably be down the middle somewhere. Okay. Now, would it be would would friends give you a higher score or lower score than family, or is it like certain friends would give depends you a on where score I know than you're other from, friends? Yes. Yeah, What's I mean, that? I guess it depends on where I know you're from. <laughs> so, so if I knew you from the trail, lower score or higher score? Oh, definitely a higher score, probably. Okay. And if I yeah. if I knew you from work. Uh, I'm self-employed, so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I mean, I, I did. I worked in human services for a long time before I became self-employed. So, but um, yeah, uh, I, I guess it, like as I get older, it would probably more people. I, it would probably be higher, anyways. Okay. Now, what did you do in human services? Uh, I worked for the Greater Boston YMCA for a long time. Did some did some hiring and firing there. A little bit, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So this is a seven-question survey. Uh, there's an automatic 20-point deduction for anybody who's done a long trail like the Appalachian Trail. You're expecting that because you've, you've listened to the episodes. So the highest yeah. score you can possibly get is 80. I'm glad that you don't like multiply that by as many trails as people have done. Yeah, I think I think just the, the level of craziness just to do one, I think that just is, is – uh, <laughs> That's that's uh, enough. So yeah. All right. So you think you're getting an eighty here? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> First question, real easy one: trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Uh, trekking poles. Do you want to elaborate or just uh, we'll just go with the answer? Um, I that's I like. Uh, they're just super convenient and especially um, used correctly. Um, you know, they're, they're super helpful on your body, you know, um, like the downhills, um, you know, if you're using your poles, you know, it can lessen the impact on joints and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then like, I have a, uh, I one my tent is also a trackable tent. So I got to carry it for that. Um, but um yeah, I don't know. Like, I uh, I did have some trekking pole problems at the end of my AT, um, you know, hike this summer as well too. And like every time, like if I was down to one pole or something, it's just like you know, I always felt more comfortable with the second. Right, you're not a one pole kind of guy. You need two poles out there. You're trekking. Yeah, trekking pole tent was a one pole tent or two pole tent. Two pole tent. Yeah. Oh, two pole tent. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I have um I have like the poles themselves as well too, but it, you know it's not always necessary to double uh, carry trekking poles and the ten poles. So right now, what was your what was your pack weight, your base weight with the uh, the summer hike? I have no idea. Probably around eighteen, I would say. Okay. I mean, I I, I try to stay light, but like I also pack for comfort as well too. You know. 
Okay. We're, we're covering multiple items here. This is great. We've got one question down and we I've got some insight into some of your other answers that I, that I anticipate coming up here. So question number two, boots or trail runners? Oh, trail runners. Do you have a Hocus. specific brand? Hocus. I wear Hocus. Yeah. Yeah. They're a great shoe, aren't they? They are. Yeah. They are. I, um, yeah. I, I think I, I understand. I used to, I've tried ultras. Um, like I can wear ultras for if I'm doing like shorter hikes, um, anything over a couple hundred miles, I start getting like high ankle sprains from them, you know? Um, so like I quickly learned that I couldn't wear them all the time. Um, boots are just, and that, to me, that's just like a winter hiking thing. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the other brands, like I'm, I just haven't tried. Once you find something that works, you just stick with it. You know, your, your feet are your most important thing out there. Do you think the ultras gave you problems because of the zero lift? Yeah, the zero drop. Yeah, yeah it's um, yeah, that uh, that's yeah. I just I don't think my feet uh, if I if I were to. Like I remember, I twice now it's happened to me, and um, I, I made. I'm sure you could probably power your way through it, and it will go away. Like I, like anything, usually on trail. But uh, why put yourself through that if you don't have to? Okay. Question number three: uh, Your preferred shelter system out there? I think we already know this, but uh, let's ask it anyway. Tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping? Uh, I'm a hammock person normally. When oh, I su- surprise me there. Because we yeah, talked about no. uh, the tent. Yeah. So I'm normally a hammock person. Um, that's my uh, normal go-to on solo adventures uh, and location dependent as well, too, usually, you know. Um, but I, uh, at, at the end of my AT hike, uh, I, I got hurt back down in Virginia. I, I messed my knee up pretty well. And I had to try to, I was trying to shed as much weight as I possibly can. And my tent system is just a lot lighter than my hammock setup, my tarps, my both under quilts, you know, or and I mean my under quilt and my top quilt, you know. So like, um, my tent system is lighter than my hammock system, but my hammock is much more comfortable and I sleep much better. You know, I take afternoon naps very well in a hammock, but for some That's reason, a- I I can't I can't get through a full night of sleep on a hammock. No, <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's uh, I my best night's sleeping are in my hammock. Okay, all right. Hey, speaking of uh, of sleeping, your preferred sleeping system, a uh, sleeping bag or quilt? I think we already heard quilt on that. Yeah, quilt. Yeah, okay. is that because it's less constrictive? Or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's a tall I, I sleep. Do you, move, do you move around a I, lot when you sleep? Yeah, no, I don't move around at all, actually. But it's more um, of like, um, like I, I sleep hot, you know, so like being able to like kick the kick it off, cook the quill off me, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's more of just like generating airflow and everything. Got it. Got it. All right. Question five. When it comes to food out there, are you a stove guy, cold soak or stoveless? Stove. Yeah, uh, for multiple reasons. Coffee. Um, I had to have my coffee. Um, although, in like the, during the middle of the summer, I don't. I I, um, I drink like them Starbucks, like iced coffee packets um, mm-hmm. instead of regular making regular coffee. Um, partly because I'm lazy as well too while I'm out there sometimes. But um, 
Yeah, then there's nothing like to me. There's nothing like a hot meal. I cold soaking to me is also just gross. I don't know how people do that, but yeah, yeah. With coffee every morning, you you kind of start out your day like Ibi Tat does on his his YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah, and I my, I mean yes, yeah, very very much so. Let's just say my attitude in the morning is very similar. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, question number. Six, I think we're on. Is life better above or below the tree line? Oh, man. For me, it's got to be below because in order to sleep well, um, I got to have trees around. Um, But, uh, man, there's nothing like above tree line either, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you spend a lot of your time in the tree line or below the tree line on the AT. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's that's kind of the nature of that trail. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And now um, people who live on the East Coast who are familiar with the AT, who grew up with the AT kind of in their uh in their culture, in their background, they swear by the AT. That is that is the trail. That's the best trail. <laughs> uh, any any inclination or any desire to to do like the CDT or the PCT? Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um I, I'm thinking probably 2024. I'm going to do the PCT. Um, that 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 will be my next uh, long, long distance hike. You know, um, next year I'll probably do something like the Superior Trail or uh, make something shorter, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the Colorado Trail. Um, I also want to do the Arizona Trail, but that's like an 800 miler, so that um, I think mean, it's also a possibility. Right, kind of get that desert. Uh experience uh yeah yeah the azt the pct yeah this is definitely something i want to do it looks um you know uh i i follow a lot of people on youtube watch a lot of youtube videos just as um you know for for things i haven't hiked myself yet and uh to do like a couple of people i've seen do their own it's like so so different but so beautiful in its own way right you know, like I said, there there are people that swear by the AT, but there are also people who swear by the desert, which is really it's an odd perspective for me. But I, you know, they 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 just they they rave about the beauty and the simplicity and just the starkness of of the desert. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I I I, I know the feeling, you know, like to me, like the the long trail is kind of like my like. Um, like my AT, like uh, you know, feeling that you're talking about. I've hiked the long trail a few times up in Vermont. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so like uh, that 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 trail has it all to me, and that's like that's uh, like my baby. But and like, but you know, like somebody that like, like that did a long trail. Like, there's so much water everywhere and everything. Like. To the person that hiked the Arizona Trail, that like you know you're struggling to probably to find water much more, um, much infrequently than the, on the long trail. It's got to be a totally different like, um, you know, like mindset. You know, like it's uh, you know, water to me on trail is just like uh, yeah, it's, it's something I want to know is always there. Right. Right. So to have that scarcity of water, that that adds a whole nother layer of concern to a to a long hike. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 
All right. Question number seven. Uh, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Uh, it's a tough, it's a tough one for me because pack weight, I, I have to keep my pack weight as certain. I don't know exactly what weight that is, but like if I'm carrying too much, like I, I start getting a shoulder problem. And, um, but I also like, uh, you know, like I, I like to carry an umbrella for when on certain times that it rains and stuff, you know, like, so I do get both sides of that. So other than the, than the umbrella, what else do you bring in terms of a luxury item? Do you bring a chair? No, you know, um, I've always thought about that. And, uh, one of my sections hikes like two or three years ago, this guy I hiked with like a couple hundred miles had one of his, had one of the chairs and I, I, I still have a hint of jealousy from that, but, um, uh, what else? Um, I can't really think of anything like, you know, Jupiter packs a yo-yo. Yeah. I don't, uh, Man, I really can't think of anything that's like out of the ordinary. Okay. You know, I just, I guess it's just one of those things that like you have what you have and you just think that you need it. I've, and like, I've never like, I've done a lot of like thousands of miles hiking and like, I, my kit is always kind of just stayed the same. Yeah. Do you, do you bring a, a, uh, a closed cell, like a foam sleeping pad or do you have an inflatable? Uh, so this at the end of this my through like i was carrying both of them actually um yeah like i was just having a lot of trouble sleeping on the ground and that's like my blow-up pad i had this it ended up like not being holding air as much like it was a slow leak through the night but it was nice to have the close cell phone pad underneath me as well too so it's like uh screw it i don't have to blow it up i have this other pad underneath so it, you know it's kind of beneficial in that sense improvise um, as needed yeah 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 but and it came in handy more times than not you know like it's you know sitting down and eating lunch and stuff like um throw the whole pad down like you know all right. I've got your answers. Let me, I got to do some math here, some complicated math. I got to, let's see, I got to carry the four. I'm going to divide by root three. Got to multiply by pi. And then we're going to factor in the, the barometric pressure from the top of McAfee knob out there on the AT. And I've got a solid 53. Probably about right. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds pretty accurate, huh? Yeah. All right. We had an epic McAfee knob night, day and night. We we cowboy camped up there. Really? Yeah, yeah we right. got. To, well, we that. it was a great sunset and sunrise in the morning. It was just absolutely amazing. Like I, I'll definitely send you pictures of that. Well, if you like the view from from McAfee knob, just wait till you get to some of the spots on the PCT. You yeah. see forever. Yeah, as long as there's not smoke in the air. That's true. That's true. Yeah, generally that's uh that's been kind of the trend at the, the last couple of years. Yeah. The last couple of years at the end of the PCT is you're getting up into uh Washington. It's usually fire season, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey Stretch, we talked about it a little bit, but why don't we back up a little bit and uh tell us about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you grew up with, and how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? At what point 
in your life did you decide it'd be great to just walk for hundreds and thousands of miles and sleep in the dirt? Um, so I grew up in like Western Massachusetts, um, like in North Adams, uh, Williamstown area, which is the trail goes right through North Adams. That actually goes right down the street. The trail goes right down the street. My parents' house is on. Um, so, and we moved into that house, like when I was 12 or so, um, somewhere around that age. And obviously, uh, the trail was already there. So at that age, I was always seeing people hiking, you know, hikers going up and down the trail. I never really like it piqued my interest minorly. I would say like, I never like, I, I, I before, lived up in the woods. And um, so like, I was always like, like a toddler to like adolescent age. Like I was always playing in the woods and uh, I played a lot of sports growing up. I played basketball, I played golf, played baseball, anything with the ball. I basically played. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I, I like I, I think it was just like that nature of being athletic, like piqued my interest into it and kind of always kept it there for a few years because I never really got into like hiking like until like after high school. Um and uh, me and a, like me and a friend um, that summer after uh, we graduated senior year in high school, a friend and I um, did a trip, and um, that uh, that was kind of the downfall from there, I guess. <laughs> All right, hey, right now we're, we're talking, and the World Series is going on. And I know you said you played baseball. You bear you bear a passing resemblance to uh, outfielder on the on the Phillies, Marsh. I don't know if you. I don't know if you've uh, seen him at all. He's he he's he's a tall guy as well. He's got that he's got that full beard that he's probably been growing all season long. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've had facial hair since I was like eighteen, so like, I don't know what it's like not to have facial hair. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I I don't follow baseball anymore as much as I used to. Uh-huh. Um. It they get it. it uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I still like will like read the highlights of like the World Series and everything like that, you know. But like, I, I could care less about watching the game. Yeah, you know? Were you an um, outfielder when you played? No, I pitched and played first base. Oh yeah, I can I can see that. that, that yeah, you know, got uh, lots of tall pitchers I, and tall first basemen out there. I was actually golf was my sport. Um, it, like I, uh, I was pretty good golfer in the state of Massachusetts in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of screwed that up down the road, I guess, but like, I, I didn't, uh, I had to, my first attempt at college didn't go so swimmingly. It happens. Yeah, it happens. A- any, any holes in one to your, to your fame there claim to fame? Uh, no, but I did have, I do have a, a double Eagle, which I say is a little even more rare than a whole one. Yeah. Double Eagle for those people listening. That is a, that's a two on a par five. Correct. Or a, or a one on a par four, which would be right. a whole one. But uh, you said you Right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. My, my my claim to fame, I do have a hole in one. It was on a uh, like 120-yard par three on, on a course here in Southern California. The 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 green, the front, front edge of the green was higher than the back edge. So I had no idea where the ball went. I'm looking oh. all over. I walked up. I'm looking all over for the green. I'm like, I know this was a good shot. Where, where is my ball? And I looked in the hole, and there it was. So nice, nice. 
Yeah, but 120 is uh, still decent, decent hole. It's not like it's a chipping putt. Yeah, thank you, Stretch. Thanks for for stoking my ego there. Dude, like, it's funny. Like everybody else, my like even my mother. Like she, had, my mother had gotten a hole in one like two years after she had started playing. I'm like, are you kidding me? But... <laughs> You're not bitter about that, though. Uh... <laughs> well. Hey, you talked about growing up in the woods as a as a toddler as a as a youth. Any yeah. any mishaps? You know, we talked to Swamper uh, a few weeks ago, R.I.P. Swamper, uh, and he told us about his experience growing up in the swamps, which was really uh, interesting to to me. Where he he ended up uh, with a you know a water moccasin hanging off of his his hand as it was biting him. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But anything, any any kind of big adventures or or accidents that you experienced as a youth growing up in the in the woods? No, nothing. Um, no, no, I can't really think of anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember like one time, like um, I don't, I can't say I was chased by a moose, but like there was one that was walking pretty quickly towards where I was, and like I had to kind of dart it inside. Um, you know, I don't know if I, I like to say I was being chased by a moose, but I don't know if that was really the, what was going on. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like I was just uh, I was more of like the building forts and, you know, cutting stuff down. And, you know, my my, my parents had owned like 25 acres of land or something like that. So like I could just go hide in the woods all day if I wanted what a great childhood. I mean, amazing to live on 25 woods, uh, 25 acres in the woods. Yeah. My dad actually cleared a whole plot of land, like built a baseball field for me and everything. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he built a golf course for you. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have one younger sister. And is she also uh, a true hiker? No, no, no. Uh, she has young children now, so. So she used to be a through hiker, but now she has young children. And she can't. No, she, she, she never was. No, I I'm like the uh, the outcast of the, of the family. There, um, you know, I, I think uh, like my father says, "Oh, how great of an idea it sounds," but then like he, he tells me a story about how he like hiked down a ski lift with his friends and like he was hurting after doing that. So I said, "Well, you you." Your chances of hiking the trail are not very good. But. <laughs> Do you embrace the the black sheep label? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I said at the beginning, in all in all of my intros this last couple of seasons, I've I've introduced the the podcast uh, welcoming the guests as as uh, hiker trash and dirt bags. Uh, maybe someone who who is not hiker trash might find that offensive. But why are you calling why are you calling folks names? But uh, how do you feel about the hiker trash or dirt bag label? Um, I mean, it, it, if the shoe fits sometimes, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, like, it, I also like, I, I, I'm the type of, I try to stay as clean as possible. I'm not the type of person that's going to go two weeks without showering though. You know, so I, I will be, you know, washing my ass once every like three or four days probably. So it's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like it's, but you know, we all, um, while you're out there on trail, like shit happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it would probably, uh, 
your standards of how you approach a situation kind of lower sometimes while you're on trail compared to if in your normal life, I guess. So um, that would you know, probably qualify as being hiker trash or a dirt bag. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember uh, you mentioned Ivy Tech? Remember his definition of hiker trash? What, what you had to do to qualify to be hiker trash? No, I don't. You had to sleep in a restroom overnight. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I commented on his hat. He was wearing a hiker trash hat. I said, oh, man, that's awesome. I want a hat like that. He goes, not everybody can have this this hat. You have to earn this hat. And that's I think he he's shared. Still, that's where he shared about the restroom. Yeah, he's still wearing that darn hat, too. I think he just wore it on a Scotland trip. What epic pictures from that Scotland trip. That I know. I'm still... Yeah. He's releasing the videos nightly right now. It's um, yeah, that's uh, it has now piqued my interest at looking at foreign trails. Let's just say, yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, and so you mentioned before that you were in human services, but now you're self-employed, right? Um, and I think you you uh, you didn't share exactly what it is that you do. So how do you, how do you pay the bills? How do you finance these trips? So I, um, I always had like, uh, like side hustles throughout my time, like working at the, uh, like working for the Y and stuff. Uh, I, I like to thrift and they go like thrift store shopping and like Goodwills and stuff. Um, and I would always, it was always like a hobby before, like something I would do on the weekends and, um, living in Boston, you kind of, um, there's a lot of thrift stores and a lot of colleges a lot of like high-end like universities like harvard boston university and so you get a lot of uh, more affluential families and people and stuff so you get a lot of pretty darn good stuff in our in our thrift stores here and i was just reselling that online for like you know extra money back like when i was still working full-time and i just turned that into my full-time gig Really? So, so you go to the thrift stores and find some pretty good stuff for a reasonable price. And then you uh, mainly, yeah, mainly clothing and shoes. All right. And what was the, what was the best turnaround on an item that you had? Oh, man. I, there's been a few that I've had some really good turnarounds. Like I, like I, I would, one that always sticks out to me is like, I, you know, I got this, it was a, a Burberry, the brand Burberry, a sweater that's like really kind of rare and unique looking. Um, and I paid like five dollars for it, and it sold within twenty four hours for eight hundred dollars. Oh, oh, oh yeah. wow! Yeah, um, like I've had a couple other decent ones. I can't remember if uh, you know. There's been a few in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. You didn't. And want to I've been that. doing it. Yeah, but just about for two years full time now. Okay, and it's paying the bills, huh? I doubled my salary my first year doing it. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, now you, you didn't uh, want to wear it. The, it's uh, all a matter. It's just another one of the uh, you, you get out. You get out of it what you put into it. You know, like right. I work a lot, but I'm also working on my time for myself. I do when I want. I go, you know, so I don't have to work tomorrow if I don't want to. You know, I could go, you know, I could go off to the whites and do a day hike tomorrow if I wanted to. And not have anybody to tell. Nice. Nice to have that flexibility. It is. Yeah. There are some downfalls to it as well, you know, sure. but um, yeah. 
Yeah, the retirement the retirement plan isn't that good. No, retirement health insurance, you know, you know, yeah. like, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll figure that out when I need it. <laughs> now you didn't want to you didn't want to keep that Burberry sweater for the trail. No, that was a woman's anyway. So yeah. well, you know, whatever. I'm all about the dollar, man. Like I like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find a nice enough nice uh, like stuff for myself, and I I have problems parting with that sometimes but then i look at it i'm like why do i need six puffy goats you know like <laughs> i i feel like you just looked in my closet and made a judgment on me so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean that's part of like being like part of this problem is like being with like into the outdoor world like you can find there's a lot of really good well-made products from a lot, a lot of different brands and um Sometimes if I come across something, it's like, you know, I got to give it a try at least. Right, right. Okay, hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, your two different ways of hiking the AT. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear about your section hike and then also the through hike. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. 
And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Chris Hurlbut, also known as Stretch. And we've heard a little bit about his growing up and uh, his his uh, employment, self-employment with thrift shop uh, resale business. And I am I can't wait to hear about your section hike and your through hike of the AT. So so tell me, how did how did you get the idea to, to section hike the AT? And how long did it take you to section hike the 2,250 miles? So um, that, I started doing that like when I was still being employed, like, you know, on vacation, taking like, you know, two weeks vacation at a time or, three, you know, sometimes I could get it three weeks. Um, and, you know, that's all I could do, you know? So that's... Um, I would take that. I would do, I normally, it's pretty easy and convenient if you live in the Northeast to, to get to the trail by transportation, like bus or train. Um, you know, they, it's pretty, no matter where you live up here, I, you can find a way to get to the trail and not have to worry about leaving a car somewhere and something, you know? Um, and then also just utilizing the trail community, like no matter the time of the year, um, you know, no matter the time of year, uh, if you needed a, like um, a shuttle from somewhere to get to somewhere on trail, like there's trail angels, no matter the time of year, are going to help you out, you know? Um, so that was just, um, I, I, I would just find a way, like, you know, take two weeks. I would figure out what section I was going to do or like how, what I can do. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not the average person that can like get up off the couch and do a 20 mile day, you know, like I wouldn't recommend that to most people that don't have any kind of a hiking background, but like, they, that's just how I am. So like, I knew like what kind of mileage I could always do during a section, like when I was working, um, you know, working for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, then COVID happened and I did a huge, I did two trips of it um, separately of like one was like an 800 mile trip. And then another one was like a 600 mile trip. So I did like 1400 miles during that summer of COVID. Um, and uh, so I had some big mileage is of the trail done then. Um, and then in 2021, I did, I finished up basically everything that I had missing, um, except for Waynesboro, Virginia South. Um, and um, then this year I was going down to Springer to complete that section um, from, from Springer, well, Amicola um, up to Waynesboro and completing, completing the trail as a section hike. But I just kept going. Just kept going all the way to Katahdin. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now for, for our listeners out there who may be unfamiliar with the, the terms section hiking and through hiking, uh, section hiking is like what it sounds like. You're hiking a section at a time. Uh, may, now I have, for example, I have a friend who is currently section hiking the PCT. He's been doing it for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. He's currently in Washington on his, yeah. he's been doing it 
uh, sequentially. Started out at in, at Campo, Mexico, and has been going northbound ever since. Uh, whenever he has a chance, he's a teacher, so he does it during his summers. And he's currently in Washington, trying to trying to finish it up, or he, you know, this next summer. Yeah, yeah. And I so, mean, for me, like for me to, have to like section hike the PCT or something like that would just be a logistical nightmare. You know, like it would cost me a, a small fortune to do something like that. So. Um, you know, obviously the AT was always going to be the trail that was, um, that was going to be my first, like, you know, whether I threw hiked or section hiked, the first trail I completed in some sort of way that was of significant mileage. I had already come, I've already done the long trail at that point, like a few times. Um, but that's, you know, less than 300 miles. Um, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, there's not too many trail angels in the Northeast that would drive you to the PCT trailhead. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> now, did you section hike the AT alone or did you have a, a partner in crime? No, I always set out alone. And do you prefer hiking alone or do you, do you pick up friends along the way? Um, I've always like, um, I, I like, I, I, I normally like an alone hiker throughout the day. Um, that changed a little bit this during my through hike. Um, but like, I would always, no matter where it's like the trail community, like no matter where you are, like for me, like I remember last summer, I, or not last summer, like the one summer I was out doing section hiking, I, uh, like I started, I it was a Harper's, I started Harper's Ferry and I was going up to Bear Mountain in New York and, um, like within the first, I don't know if it was the first night or the second night I had, you know, where I was camping, uh, two guys that had been hiking together that were through hiking and I ended up hiking with them for like 200 miles, you know? So like, there's always somebody there depending on the season, I guess, obviously, but like during the main three seasons, you're always going to find somebody probably that, that you're going to find keep pace with at some point of the day, you know? Um, and the AT is a pretty fairly busy trail, I would say, in my opinion. Yeah, the AT is close to a lot of a lot of different population centers. You're never too far away from town, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, how long did it take you to do the to section hike the AT? Did you? I mean, you had a, an 800 mile stretch. You had a 600 mile stretch. This take like three years. Three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then did you always hike during? during the summer or did you kind of change it up in terms of the seasons? Um, summer and fall, spring, summer, fall. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, uh, like I'm the AT the hiking during the fall. Like I always found that difficult to be honest with you, because for multiple reasons, like the, like there's, you know, the tree covered the below tree line, well, they're all on the ground at that point, you know? So like for multiple reasons, it slows you down. Like you kind of have to be more careful, like, you know, the AT has a lot of rocks like any trail does. So like it's hard to just push through because there's leaves all over the ground and, you know, one wrong step and you're done. Um, then um, like for certain reasons, if you're in certain areas, I don't necessarily like hiking in the fall for like hunting purposes and stuff. Like uh, there are some areas on trail where they're not technically supposed to be hunting, but they can use the trail as a means of transportation and for them to get the areas. And, you know, like I, I remember one year, one, I would always tell somebody from the, 
if you're ever hiking in the fall, like make sure you're wearing some kind of blaze orange or blaze like bright colors or something. Like I just I remember one time hiking and I didn't have anything. It was my first like eye opening experience where like I was like, huh, I probably should be having some kind of blaze like color on me because like within a two mile stretch I was hiking, like I saw like three three different groups of hunters, you know. Um, I think that was down in like West Virginia or Maryland or somewhere in that area. Um, so like, I, I don't know, like it, it, as, as great and as beautiful as it can be, like, I also like, um, felt like I wasn't prepared enough because it was something I wasn't thinking about. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an uneasy feeling as well, you know? Sure. Sure. People, people walking around with guns out there. Uh, which I, I don't have a problem with normally, right. but like, you know, I like you, it's hard to not like keep in mind, like keep in the back of your mind, like accidental things, you know, like you don't know. I'm not the one with the gun with the, you know, pulling the trigger. So I don't, I, I'm not making the decision if somebody's just shooting at something moving or not, you know, you know. Right. Right. Now in terms of going down to finish your section hike and then just, you kept on going. I mean, did you have yeah. at this point a level of, did the, did the section hiking build up this level of confidence of, you know, I can do this whole thing right now. Oh yeah. I like, so I always knew I could anyway. So it wasn't a matter of not, of not thinking I couldn't. Um, it was just a matter of the time mainly, you know, like I, because I am self-employed taking like, I mean, it took us four months and like 10 days. Um, four months and 10 days I think it was to do it and at the time like I was like my mindset was always like I it's difficult for me to leave my what I do for four months because yes I had somebody I was still having income and working and stuff I had somebody doing all my shipping for me and everything and um but if you're not adding new product all the time like your sales numbers are just gonna dwindle 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 you know so it's like there's a double-edged sword there Uh you know um but yeah, so like, I mean, to be honest with you, there was more. Like, yes, I wanted to through hike the trail, and the one of the reasons why I I ended up through hiking was because because of uh, people around me um, as well. People on the trail. Well, so I um, I. The very first day, uh, day one at Amicola, I literally was take, taking a selfie at the arches and they walked a hundred feet up trail and met a group of uh, one, two, three women and a guy. Um, the three women um, all knew each other. Um, and I don't remember about the other guy, how he was involved or not, but um, basically uh one of them women and two of the three women um we summited together and one of them we basically hiked together her and i hiked together every single day um and then another guy that we met that night or the second or the next day it would end up being the four of us that we met within the first two days we basically hiked together the entire thing and, and summited together wow wow that yeah. is that is that is really cool now, did, did do you still keep in touch with them? I imagine you would. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. One, the one of them daily, yeah. Mm-hmm. Daily. Is this, yeah. Is this the woman? 
Uh, they, well, three of them were women. Yeah. Yeah. And one guy, he was from, uh, he was from London. Okay. Any, any spark there? Any love on the trail? Uh, I mean, it depends on who you ask, I guess. I don't know. We don't have to get into that. Okay. We, we won't get into that, but I, yeah. I do know that you, 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 you want to talk a little bit about finding love organically on the trail. Yeah. It's more about like, you know, like what the trail can do for you, for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, there's a lot of small, like small moments on trail um, where you can like, uh, you know, start appreciating things that you may not have, um, you know, the simplicity of things and everything. And, you know, like, and being able to like, tie, tie that into yourself, you know, like, and, and just being able to like, love yourself with like how like simple you can be like um the very little that you need to get by in life you know um there, there, there's so many like great moments and um you know you know just, you sit back and listen and like the conversations around you and everything. And, um, there's so many different, uh, I can't think of the, like the word I'm looking for, but there's so many different ways that the trail can like help, uh, make you love yourself, love the people around you, you know, um, and for some people, for somebody like myself, like, I have nobody around me. Um, they, that community is definitely something um, that when I have on trail, like I'm lacking in my re- regular life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask that question that um, a lot of people out on the trail who are hiking thousands of miles at a time, they're, many of them are, are working on themselves. <clears throat> they're wrestling with something and they're, they're, they're finding a way to deal with it. Um do you find that you kind of fit into that category that you're working on something out there or do you, do you achieve something out there when you're on the trail, <clears throat> excuse me, that you find hard to achieve back in, in regular life? Yeah. I think that would be more, more so the case. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I don't, you know, I'm getting, I'm going to be 40 at the end of this month after actually, uh, or November. Um, and like, it's, being a 40 year old single guy is just very like I'm very picky. I'm very picky about like, I kind of know, like I've gone through, I've been married and divorced and like, I kind of know like what, like what would work for me and like how I just don't know. Like I'm not like the social media, like app, like trying to find somebody in a relationship through a dating app, like where, all the focus is just on looks and everything. You like, you know, you swipe on a person because they look good. I mean, how else mm-hmm. do you know anything about the person? Um, you know, so like, I have no interest in anything like that. So it's like being a middle-aged guy, like I don't want to be single the rest of my life. So it's like, you know, I don't want to say like, I'm necessarily going out looking for anything on trail, but like it's, uh, 
you know, you value like all the, like the relationships that you do have out there much more, you know, like it's, um, because even still, like, you know, I, once you get to that point in life where like, you know, all your friends have got married and have kids and everything like that. So it's like, you don't really, uh, you know, you're not hanging out with people all the time, anything like that anymore, you know? So like that, that trail life is definitely always something that's much, uh, much more valued. Yeah. I think, I think in everyday life in the city or suburbs or wherever you are, uh, I think even when you run into people, you interact with people, it's on a very surface level. Uh, right. You may see a neighbor down at the mailboxes, uh, you know, once a day and never have anything more than a surface level conversation with that person. You don't really get to know that person. You don't build a connection with that person yet on the trail, on the trail, you are sharing you, you whatever the, whatever, I, I don't know how it happens, but you're sharing secrets and stories with people that you haven't told yeah. anybody else that you, you just met them five, 10 minutes ago. And you're, you're really opening up and you're making that connection. And I think, I think that's what you're talking about. This, this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, it, 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 that is so true. Like, you know, the, um, you know, connecting with people, but like, even like, when you start getting around people that you're hiking with every single day, like, you know, and you start, you know, th those connections go even deeper. And, um, yeah, you know, like, it, like it, it's nice to, uh, like, I'm a pretty quiet and reserved person as it is anyway. So like, um, you know, getting, being around people for a period of stretch of time and then they like, you know, they just get you and they're, they're similar to you and, a lot of ways like it um it's like the trail the trail will provide you know like it, it'll, it people will be put around you that you know um probably just needed to be there for you even though they didn't know it or you didn't know it at the time mm -hmm. now in the city i mean we we have all these artificial constructs around us that we have to operate within is it is it accurate to say that we're probably our truest self out on the trail more is revealed from us about us when we're on the trail i would say hiking. yeah i absolutely yeah yeah you're you're, you're uh yeah you i mean you're like you're just you're down to like you're i want to say like bare bones you know like however you want to say that you know like it's just um the bare necessities and you and like uh everyone there is likewise with an end goal you know usually you mm -hmm. know so it um th th that right there like you're automatically finding something in common with somebody like, like or everybody basically you know so mm -hmm. like it um that right there is just an instant like way to be able to like your a connection that you're having with somebody like mm -hmm. they could in that sense you know so you're, you're gonna go through a lot of the same shit yeah. Now you spent a lot of time out there. You ran into a lot of people. Uh, you have a favorite trail name out there you run into? Um, my buddy Trippy Hippie. He, um, I met him in 20, 2020, 21, 2020 or 2021. I don't remember which year it was, but, uh, yeah, my, my buddy, I, I almost ran into him again last summer, <laughs> but um, we just missed each other. Trippy hippie. Love it. Yeah. 
Um, the, have you have you had, have you had Walmart on? I have not had Walmart on. No. He's Are a good. Pretty, he'd be a good a good interview. Yeah, he would be a good interview for some people. Yeah. He's he he he's I I've met him a couple of times now and it's just kind of inspirational. Like he his name's Walmart because he literally just went to Walmart and bought a shit and but got on a trail, you know. So like it just kind of shows like you don't need like thousands of dollars of high end gear and everything, you know. If you, you know, it's 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 what's up here. That's right. Don't don't let the ultra light, ultra expensive gear be the the piece that's holding you back from doing what you've always wanted to do. Go to yeah. go to a Walmart, get some stuff, yeah. and get out there. Yeah, it, it was funny too because he ended up. I think um, he ended up finding. I don't know, if, finding uh, like one of the uh, employees like Walmart vests or something like that, and he ended up like wearing that throughout the trail too. Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. Perfect. Now, is there uh, is there some fear mongering that goes on out there? I don't. Yes, trail? like I uh, that shit drives me bonkers. Like you, you you hear it like so early, and it's like just always stupid, unnecessary shit. Like you, you know, uh, people like it's always the, the most common one is like you know uh, about it's always about the whites. You know, like you know, people are talking about the white mountains when you're not even out of Georgia yet. They like, go, oh, you know. It, it's it's always um i don't know why people just feel like they they like they need to obsess on something that they haven't gotten to or got or you know uh or like build up this like unnecessary i want it, maybe it's out of excitement or whatever what feeling it's out of but like like there's always this um the, the whites are, uh, is always the number one thing like you, you, what are you going to do when you get to the whites uh, you know the uh the, the climbing and the, and everything it's but like people don't understand is like by the time you get to the whites you've hiked 15 to 1600 miles like it, it's it it's no different than you know you yeah you're you're climbing up a little bit um the, then people um there's just so many people out there. I, I would just say, like, be in the moment and not thinking about anything other than that. You know, like, don't listen to people. Now that I'm on here, like, I know I had like a couple other ones as well, too. Like, and I didn't write it down, but like, just if people all have actually gear that's another thing like oh people will say oh that, that's not going to work for you or you know uh you, get, you know it, it people like to value their own opinion way too much and push it on others um whether it be gear or you know something ahead like for one they don't know you they don't know anything about you they don't let somebody's opinion or um what they think about like you know what you're doing or something you know if don't ever let anything like that like, affect you like mm -hmm. you know i it's it's nonsensical and silly 
Yeah, fear mongering. They do that on the PC two PCT as well. I think the first seven hundred miles, all anybody ever talks about is the uh the Sierras. Yeah. Yeah. I, same, I, same, I, same kind of thing. And you know, in my experience, I have found in my life that worrying about something is often way worse than the something. Yeah. You put a yeah. whole bunch of mental energy into something that really you didn't yeah. need. Yeah, and then like, like with the AT after you know the whites, and we're gonna do about the whites, and then it's Maine, like you know, uh, then it's the hundred mile wilderness, and it, you know it's all it's like it's always the next thing that people are like trying to you know, I I don't want to say talk up or talk down or what you know or whatever, but there's no. There's nothing that you are going to do out there is going to be to the point that you should be obsessing over it. Right. And I think you, you, you hit it right on the head earlier live in the moment. I mean, yeah. instead of worrying about what's 1600 miles in front of you, look around at what you're walking through right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, there's, uh, and so many times, like, especially myself included, like I, cause I try to do, you know, 20 to 25, you know, basically every day. And I have to remind myself that so much because, you know, I'm, I would doing days where I'm doing 12 by 12. I mean, I had days where I did like 16 or 18 miles by noon. And like, I'm like, man, I don't even remember anything that I just did, you know? So like, it's like a double edge, you know, like uh, if I were to go back and like do it over again, like, I would try to do it in six months and not four months, you know, like it, it's, it's not, um, it, it's, it, there's no race. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, unless you have like a race against time but you know, for other reasons or something, but like, there's definitely, you know, I could have enjoyed many other, many more, many more times, moments and places um, by not, you know, by not trying to do my physical fitness aspect of it, you know? Right. Right. Now, when you got to Katahdin, uh, that last day as you're, as you're summiting, is there particular emotions or thoughts running through your mind, having, having accomplished this incredible hike in just four months and 10 days? You know, like I'd already been there before. Like I had, and obviously when I did it before, like I didn't, I'm not a very emotional person. Let's just put it that way to begin with. Okay. Um, but, um, when we, I don't remember, it was September, uh, September 28th or 29th, we summited. And I think it was the only bad day of weather throughout the like, two week time period that, um, like all the people that we were around for like a few weeks, like we're summiting, it was cold and windy as hell the day that we summited. And, um, we weren't up there very long. Um, but I don't know in the moment. No, none, none at all, to be honest with you. But like a week or like a week afterwards, like that's when like, you know, I'm much more of a reflective thinker, I guess, you know, like, so it takes me a little time to process everything. And, um, yeah. So like, like a week later, like looking back at it, like that's when like. I got a little more emotional about it. Okay. Is, is post-trail depression a thing for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. 
I mean, I it, it, it definitely is, but it's definitely like not because uh, like I am self-employed uh, and I have to like work a lot to you know maintain my like my uh, my level of income to be able to uh, you know to be able to participate in things like this. So um, yeah, like it. By by staying very busy doing what I do, like it, it definitely lessens. Uh, it, it helps with that, you know. Um, but it, it that's definitely a thing. It for sure is. I, I guarantee you, probably ninety five percent of the people that through like or even do like there's there's something something there that they're missing or you know um, like wishing they were back on trail. Now for stretch, what's the what's the best cure for post post trail depression? How do you do? Yeah, you just go back in the woods. <laughs> I mean, even for like a day, like a day hiking and stuff, you know, yeah. like, like, yes, I live in a city, but I can, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, I can be somewhere I can be in the woods, you know, um, you know, but even not even in the woods, like, you know, go sit near a lake or a pond or something, you know, um, if you're a hammock camper, like, you know, if, if, just go set your hammock up somewhere or something, you know, like just uh, doing something like that, just getting, if getting in your hammock is that little sense of home while you're on, on trail, you know, so that can always, you know, um, be like comforting. Um, yeah. For yeah, me, I, I just, I just, uh, I just poop in the backyard. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Go dig a hole. Go dig a hole. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, like having conversations with the people I've been hiking with, like, and knowing that they've been going through the same stuff, you know, that's, uh, you know, we, but that's probably basically why we talk to each other every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's next for stretch? What's the next adventure? Uh, I, I think it's going to be the superior hiker hiking trail. That's, um, I think that's what it's going to be right now. That could change, but I, I, something inside me is telling me to go do that one next. Okay. How long is that? I think it's only like, like just under 300, I think. Okay. Yeah. Just a, a short little jaunt. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be a, like a logistical thing. You know, it's going to be kind of, cause it's like up in Minnesota, like kind of up in the, you know, uh, getting there and getting out of there is kind of going to be a, like a process. Yeah. Um, so it could take a little, like, uh, I have to be patient with getting it. You know, sometimes like when you finish something like that, like you just want to get out of there, you know, like, and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I am in the infancy stages of planning this, but it's, that will probably be my next, my next trip. Okay. Hey, stretch, you know where we are? Uh, yeah, we're, uh, is it the gear review? No, not the gear review. Or not gear review. Um, yeah, I can't remember. The pro tip insight of the week. That's what I meant. <laughs> That's what you meant. That's right. Pro tip insight of the week. This is your chance to share with our listeners some trail wisdom, make their next outdoor experience even better. You had a great one earlier. I'm hoping that wasn't the one you were saving uh, about being present, be in the moment, uh, enjoy what what you have around you in at that time. Uh, you said you had a very unique pro tip so what do you have yeah so this is like a lot for, more so for like 
if people are like thinking about backpacking or getting just getting into hiking like long mileage hiking with like footwear we all know like footwear is super important um just don't assume that because everybody else wears ultras um that they're gonna work for you um you know there's plenty of uh by by like if you have the ability to hike or even walk in that like go buy like a used pair like uh like through ebay or poshmark or any like online um you know commerce website um or app it, buy a used pair and make like you put as many miles in them whether it's daily or like you know on trails or whatever before you start spending 150 dollars for a new pair to find out that they don't work you know, or are or, or uncomfortable. One of the girls I hiked with, I think she went through about four different pairs of shoes within the first like 300 miles because, you know, she, you know, they were just giving her problems in one form or another. You know, like there are ways to minimize that impact, like, you know, um, which can be, you know, a financial impact on people. I mean, you spend eight, you know, eight pairs of shoes at a hundred, $150 a pair, you know, that's not cheap, you know? So, for like a through hike is not cheap either you know i mean you can probably do it pretty cheaply but um you got to make sure you have the right gear you know so make sure like you know for me it's hokas like i i will never you know um i will never change from uh, from those but that's because i found out that ultras don't work for me i they, they you know i get high ankle sprains like so but yeah, I've also used like Sacconis. I've I've used Brooks. You know, like I also I had to go through different shoes to figure out what worked for me. You know, now keeping your feet like blister free or you know whatever you know whatever it takes to make your feet work and not have to deal with because that's what's going to get you from point A to point B. And you know, take advantage of the market that you can like. You can find a pair of probably used ultras for forty bucks. You know, like they still have some life in them. You know, or or Hoka's, whatever brand that you want to try before you go spending one hundred fifty dollars on a new pair to find out that they're not for you. Yeah, instead of going all in for one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty, two hundred dollar pair of shoes, uh, try out some used ones and and see yeah. if that works for you. Awesome. Yeah. And you might be able to apply that to a lot of things with with a lot of the gear, right? I mean, you yeah. don't have to buy a a you know three hundred fifty dollar tent right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, you kind of piece it together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and packs. You know, I mean, packs are getting more and more expensive these days. Mm -hmm. Like you know, um, they, I, I, and they don't last. Like you know, no matter what. Like I take care. Of, like I, I have a hyperlite bag now. That I've had for like two or three years. And I don't know if it would last another through hike, you know? So like, here I am, like, it's like a, every two to three years, it's another thing I got to get, you know, like just to keep on, keep my, like, you know, my love of the outdoors going, you know? Um, it, like, it, it, it's, it's, it can, it can be a very expensive habit or hot, uh, hobby. It sure can. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Stretch. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Stretch, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? I know you said earlier you're not a big social media guy. Yeah, no, I'm not. I do have Instagram. Um, 
it's uh, it's C M Hurlbut, my last name. So C M H U R L B U T. Um, at uh, that's my Instagram handle. Okay, remember to but check I'll, out. Oh, go ahead. I, go ahead. I'll send that. I mean, I'll I'll make sure you have that link to that, so you can probably put it in the show notes or whatever. Okay, perfect, perfect. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Chris, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, movie, documentary, something out there that's going to help keep our listeners connected to the outdoors. During the off-season, we're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Um, I'm a big YouTube person. Like I love watching, uh, like different people, uh, like hiking. I know it's not for everybody. Uh, but at the same time, like in the middle of winter time, when I have a desire to be out hiking, it, it, you know, it can feel, it can be nostalgic, nostalgic in a sense for sometimes, or it can feel a void, like, you know, of areas that like, like this winter, I'll probably start binge finding people that have done the superior hiking trail and like, you know, seeing what they're going through while they're doing that. Um, take advantage of YouTube. There's a lot of great people. Like there's people that basically like hike yearly now. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had Hawk on. I have Doc. not. No, Hawk. No. no. Um, but like Ivy Tet, he's a definitely a different cup of tea for a lot of people, but like he's definitely for production reasons. He's his his stuff is probably the best on the internet on YouTube right now. Um, if you, if, if you don't mind his style, um, he's definitely somebody to watch. Um, like, uh, yeah. Craig Maines Hawk. He, if you're interested in the AT, like he basically hikes the AT every year at this point. Um, he's always got videos, um, I mean, it, you know, you name the trail, there's probably somebody hiking and recording it nowadays, you know? So like, it's definitely, it, it can, you can fill a void when you need it. And, uh, yeah, it's another thing with like for the trail depression part of it as well too. Like, you know, like just, you know, watching, watching, you know, videos of people, um, in areas, you know, like it, it can, it can help. Absolutely. And, you know, Ivy Tat, he is so good. He is so entertaining. He, he is of a, of a particular taste. And it's funny because my mom, my mom who follows the podcast religiously and has looked into some of my guests, she really enjoys Ivy Tat's YouTube videos. She, she might yeah, be his number one fan. It's just, uh, you know, um, it's not always, uh, it's not always bells and whistles out there, you know, like, and that's, uh, it, it, it's, um, you go through some shit sometimes and like he's going to, if he is, he's going to let you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. What have we not asked you? All right, stretch. We covered a lot of ground in this episode. Did we miss anything? What, what, what do you want to share with us that uh, we've not asked you about up to this point? Um, it, Like the one thing that like was always. The, uh, I don't know how to approach this either. Like with the, you know, the the AMC and through hiking, the the way they like treat through hikers up in New Hampshire when you're going through the whites is like really um, disconcerting. Like they 
you know, when you're going through the whites, like if you don't get like work first day at the huts or, or anything like that, there's some places where like, if you don't do it, you're not doing huge miles for a day, like through, through some of the toughest terrain, like you, they, they, your, your hand is forced, you know, like you, you would have to do like a two mile side, uh, side trail to where there's camping. Like, because they won't let people, they won't let through hikers like sleep in the dining room or, you know, uh, I remember one time, I think it was Crawford Notch Hut. Like, literally, we got there at five o'clock, me and one other person, and the two work for stays were already taken. And there was not a soul around for, there was, there's nobody else there. And they kicked us out. They wouldn't let us sleep in the, like, you know, like sleep on the floor or anything. Like, and like, we weren't the only people. There was about 10 or 12 of us. Like, they end up having to like hike two more miles up a hill in the, in the dark. Like, when there's all this space, like it's, um, yeah. And through that whole, like, I don't know, 75 to like 85 mile section of, of trail, like, you, like they need to come up with a better, they need to come up with a, an idea or, or some way to help, um, help that problem. You know, they, right. it, 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 they it's always, when we were going through the whites, that was like everybody around us is all dealing with the same problem. You know, like the, like the one campsite that is available in this, like one section, people are camping, like setting up tents on the trail because there, you know, there's no more tent platforms and there's so many people there. And that was overflowed. The, the tent campsite was overflowed because they're not, they won't let through hikers, like even pay $10 to sleep on the floor in the hut. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it, uh, yeah. And I mean, this is in September, you know, like, so it's not like it's in the middle of summer or anything like that either. Right. So, right. Sounds, um, sounds, uh, sounds like that runs counter to a lot of through hiking culture to, to be that yeah. flexible and that rigid. What is, what does AMC stand for again? Appalachian Mountain Club. Got it. Um, so they run all the huts up in the whites. Um, some mm-hmm. other, some other properties in Maine, they actually own, run some properties in New York. Um, yeah, they, so they uh, they have uh, some kind of I don't want to know if it's a contract or whatever it is like with the U.S. Forest Service or something to to manage like basically for the management of people going through that right. land, you know. Um, right. And but like I don't think that, like there's I don't think the AMC and the ATC. Uh, jive very well or, or talk at all I, I don't know if they're like uh family members that have been like disassociated from one another or something you know but uh-huh. like it seems like there's no uh there's no no consistency. all they care all they care about is 150 dollars that they're trying to get from a person that's for the bunk rooms and you know like the you know your, your weekenders and everything you know and uh you can you can tell that's like the vibe even from the people that work there you know like right right well that's a shame and stretch let's not end on a negative note uh let's get to uh any shout outs to friends and family out there anybody you want to say hi to encourage them to listen no uh so um one of the people I did hike with, uh, her trail name is Billy Goat, and I think she's going to reach out to you because she wants to go on and talk about some stuff too. Okay. 
I will I will keep my ears open for Billy Goat. Look forward to hearing from yeah. you. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you decided not to bring your Burberry sweater on, on the hike. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace the suck. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.